Well, actually, Reed's story was more of a kind of a serial killer, kind of a hostile sort of thing. Uh, it was written more as, it felt like more like a novel. Reed had never uh, written, I think this is the only script that he had written. And, uh, you know, he's free to put that out on the internet. It's hard for me to remember exactly. Uh, he created the characters, though, and the basic story is the same. I don't think like any of the dialogue is the same. I, and I don't think, I think there were, you know, like Danielle's, we added completely to the story. Well, and, she existed in uh, talking about her and seeing her dead. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it, was, it, was, it was really kind of a page one rewrite, really. It was what it was. But, but, but he created the, the characters and he created kind of the story, you know, that there was a serial killer living out in the woods. And, but it was much more sort of hostile, sort of like, and, uh, and read much more like a novel, like, uh, and not like a screenplay. But uh, uh, he's a good kid. And, 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 and there was the way that he wrote. I'd like to, you know, if it's successful, we get picked up by somebody and we can make some money on it. Um, I'd like to do for him to do a novelization of it because he's a really good writer as far as like writing a novel. It's just the screenplay thing he's got to work on a little bit. listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And he was here, but he said he had some free Coke and decided to avail himself. Maybe he'll be back. (laughs) Maybe not. Who knows? (laughs) In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners to an episode so special. It has arguably been 12 years in the making. Why is that, you ask? Well, stick around and find out. Not only is today our Fear of God New Year's staff party, New Year's Eve staff party, not only are we covering a film of such magnitude It has only existed in hushed whispers and sideways comments throughout the show's entire run. No, really. If you're keeping track at home, it gets referenced a lot and uh, you just didn't know it. Not only are we featuring a panoply of peers, a cavalcade of companions, a festival of foggers, a sheer ton of guests whom we'll get to momentarily. But today we are also celebrating with this singular episode. A fact that surely will not be undercut by some more accurate accounting from Beckley, our 300th episode. 
our 300th podcast episode of The Fear of God. It is truly an unbelievable feat. Here to celebrate so momentous and joyous an occasion is the aforementioned Festival of Foggers. Friends, please say hello as I call your name. Today, our guests to celebrate turning 300 are continuity guru, Stephen Beckley. Hello, happy 300. Yes, welcome, Steve. Legal counsel, Dave Courtney. Hey, hey. Thank you for being along for the journey, Dave. And your quarterly queens, Asia Spots and Truba. Hello there. <laughs> Hello, Jess Fishley. Hey, guys. And Vera Gowdy. Hi, everybody. Friends, welcome. Today is our 300th episode. Yes. And alas, Six years is far too short a time to live among such excellent and admirable foggers. I don't know half of you half as well as I would like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. And I almost shed a little tear there because that was so lovely a moment. And now, my dearest foggers, before we all snort a line together, permit me to momentarily remind guests that they can all find all of their foggiest needs at our website, thefearofgodpodcast.com. And... Vote in the best of 2022 poll pinned in the Facebook group right now. I'd also like to briefly inform listeners of the general shape of this conversation to come. Firstly, myself and these fellow foggers gathered here will be opening up a discussion of the Michael's Beans starring, I'm sorry, the Michael Beans starring the victim, a film which our mutual friend and head fogger Reed Lackey had no small hand in crafting. So we're going to start together with a that ain't right amongst a lot of us here about the movie that done we will then proceed to welcome a special guest and our co-host on to discuss how the victim came to be as well as his experience of writing selling and subsequent hmm, adaptation of a script he wrote but our whole time together will not be victim centered as our final leg of today's conversation will be a celebration of what has been what is to come of each other and all the watches we watch it along the way all right enough preamble let's bang on the door and scream for help as we step into cal's mystery cabin and bum, bum, bah, the victim i have talked a lot already and i envision more to come so dear friend vera would you be so kind as to set up our conversation here by reading the plot synopsis of the victim for anyone who hasn't seen it would you do that for us my pleasure Annie's life is in jeopardy after she witnesses the horrific rape and murder of her closest friend, Mary. Fleeing from two attackers, she stumbles across Kyle, a recluse living in the middle of the woods. The ruggedly handsome loner stays far from civilization until a single knock on his door throws his solitary life into chaos. Two worlds collide in this psychological thriller that will make you question your trust in mankind. That's intense. That's some really good uh, copywriting there, actually, and some really good uh, reading there. So thank you, Vera. Make you question your trust in mankind. All right. Sure so, does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we are talking today about the victim. And, you know, even for myself, uh, this is a bit of an out-of-body experience, a bit meta, because um, believe it or not, I actually had not seen this movie until we all... We, we didn't literally watch it together. That would have been incredibly awkward. Um, but we did all watch it, uh, I, I think. And uh, for reasons that may come up uh, once uh, uh, Reed is on, 
it just never kind of entered. I was like, I've got to watch this. Um, and so it kind of lingered in this periphery for me, but I knew clearly knew it existed. I was kind of had a ringside seat to Reed's experience of the adaptation process. And um, so for me, this was my first time viewing. I am curious from you guys, um, as we occasionally do with this, uh, when we jump into a movie, were any of you aware of the movie? Did, did, had, had any of you seen it? Like, feel free to just jump in um, and, and, and answer that question as you so desire. I had never heard of it, honestly. And um, now I want to go back and listen to past episodes where you guys referenced it because I um, had no idea this movie existed, that Reed had a hand in it or anything like that. Well, usually and how, you know, and you could you could, um, you know, if you put it on one and a half speed, if you played a drinking game of this, it might work for you. But um, usually how it comes up on the show is me making a veiled threat that we're going to cover it. And read, read, awesome. be like, I love dear it. God, no, dear God, no, you know, and that, but that's when you hear something like that happen. That's this is what that is referring to. Oh, I was going to say, um, I want to go back and find them like Long Dog and Bluey. They're hidden in like each episode. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. It is I don't like, even think I remember these moments. Uh... Yeah, well, they're they're subtle. And just because <laughs> I know it was a touchy subject uh, and <laughs> and I like just like to poke the bear. Yeah, I, I haven't watched um, the victim until just uh, yesterday and today. I watched it in two sittings, but I had heard about it. I think uh, the first time was the first time I even heard of Reed when uh, when Tyler Smith had him on more than one lesson. He mm-hmm. he introduced him, saying he's he had something to do with the victim. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what the victim is, but uh, it looks like now a strange movie by the description. <laughs> now you do, yeah. And but now, he, what- he introduced him as the writer. Yeah. What's funny, Beckley, is I thought if anyone, it might have been you. So I was I was anticipating the possibility that you had seen it. Dave, had were you familiar at all? Did you know it even in the periphery? I knew it existed, but I'll be honest, I Reed had me convinced that he had made sure that it nobody could access it. So I was surprised <laughs> that it was actually available. I love if y'all go back and I think it's I think it's too last episode i think um of white god and (laughs) and when i was pitching it i said you would watch 40 the the jesus in the desert movie and be like this is a reed lackey movie and now i saw this was like you'd watch this and be like this is a reed lackey movie (laughs) 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 oh that's funny um yeah you know it's it's uh, we we joke we're gonna have possibly some jokiness uh, uh about this movie but uh nonetheless i am proud of our friends uh efforts in the world that lead to things however mixed the outcome may ultimately be um uh asia i don't think you said anything were you familiar with this at all y'all because y'all got a pretty deep I... bench of horror knowledge generally so i was i was aware that it existed um my husband is very much the type of guy who looks up people and things and is deep deep into imdb and letterboxd and stuff like that so he and i knew that it existed and i knew a lot more about it simply from actually talking to reed about it um just like trying to write my own stuff and then saying reed please tell me how do things work and it was like sometimes they don't Profound. Which is which is not a direct reference to this movie, but you know, created. (laughs) We'll go with that. Um, (laughs) 
Okay. So no, that's, that's excellent. That's, it's roughly what I sort of uh, uh, imagined the case might be. And, you know, when we were, as has been alluded to building up to this sort of conversation, when we were brainstorming episode 300, uh, it was like, there's just, there was just nothing else that it could be. It had to be this. Uh, so I'm kind of proud to, to put our flag in the sand uh, at least insofar as sharing this time together uh, um, and, and going for it. So now, and now it's time for that part of the show where six people tackle one movie's bits and bobs that are not only wrong, but of which might be said. Now that ain't right. sure as hell ain't right it takes work y'all it takes work <laughs> um so i'm gonna start because i want to give permission here um for for you know real takes um i actually believe it or not i'm gonna lead with a that's so right because <laughs> all i knew was reed's experience in a general sense and his how he perceived the outcome uh, and that it had this kind of infamous quality to it. Like, uh, okay, there's one you can listen to. Uh, I'll point you to this. When we covered best worst movie for um, what was that series we did? Documentaries. Uh, documentaries. Uh, yes. Uh, when we covered best worst movie, there's a moment in that movie where the lead guy, right. Who's in troll two. And he's, he's, uh, uh, a bit more Ted Lasso than even the fake Ted Lasso in terms of his high energy. His parents are talking about his experience or their consumption of the movie Troll 2 that their son was in. And it's like parents speaking really veiled disapproval about their <laughs> child's. <laughs> if you go listen to our conversation, I asked Reed, I said, Reed, do you know what that's like? That's me referencing the victim and <laughs> reads uh who i think he references occasionally uh deeply pentecostal pastoral roots in the in the hills and highways of north carolina um so that was sort of what i knew of the victim is this kind of legacy of of just uncertainty and all of that so i was i was ready to kind of partake of the uncertain that said so i am building to this that's all right I have never been, not because of active whatever per se, but never been like some Michael Bean devotee. Um, I've seen Terminator and that's kind of the sum of it. And he showed up in an episode of The Mandalorian last season, I believe. Right. Um, uh, uh, and so I did, just didn't have a real opinion. Um, so all I knew was uh, uh, Terminator. He's in the abyss, uh, but I've never seen the abyss. Uh, and then was was a part of the victim here. And so I actually aliens? was like, um, he's in the second one. He's an alien. Yeah. yeah. He's Hicks. Okay. We'll see. There you go. That's how, yeah. <laughs> that's how much Michael Bean registered for me. Um, so even when watching this for the first time, a few nights ago, I was like, huh? Okay. He's good. He, he, 
I'll say it this way. This is a that's all right. He kind of rises above the overall piece, if that makes sense. It actually isn't intended as a backhanded compliment because I am complimenting. I thought he was uh, uh, he was in it. He was uh, present. Uh, I, I felt like I was watching a person do well in the material they're in, however well, however good the material was or not. So that would be kind of a that's all right for me. And that actually, it, though it may sound like faint praise, it was genuine. I was like, okay, that he actually, you know, is he's in the movie he thinks he's in. Now that's kind of a backhanded compliment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm going to lead with a that ain't right. And this is what I meant by giving you all permission. Um, I had never seen this. I knew there were some strong elements to it. Um, I didn't know what those strong elements were. And I will say here for any of our listeners, uh, uh, what I've already shared with participants here is most of the extreme elements that show up in the final film are not the product of Reed's original script. And so, so you can retain your respect for our mutual friend here. Um, but what kind of unintentionally, no pun intended, blew my mind was that the movie uses a sexual favor as an active plot device in the movie. And, and it was kind of, to be frank, maybe it's a, that's so right. Just because you want to kind of slow clap, like, wow, I, I kind of can't believe you, you committed and did that. But at the same time, it's kind of a, that ain't right. Cause when it happens, you're like, Oh my God, you're committing and doing that. Uh, sure. It's a callback. And from a, just kind of storytelling narrative construction standpoint, you're like, yes, callbacks happen in storytelling. And this is a, a callback, but maybe, maybe it should have been left alone. You know, what's awesome is in six years of doing this, this might be the most awkward moment of that six years. And I'm so thankful it's with all of you. <laughs> I wish we could have video of each of us as we were watching it because yes. <laughs> All of the recordings of us that. mutually going, whoa! I was like, well played. All of us making sure spouses and others are out of the room. Like, 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 oh my God. A lot. What's really funny is I will often, if I suspect or I'm concerned or unsure if there's some heavy content in a movie, I'll tell my wife, like, hey, I, I really don't want to be accountable for what's in here because I just don't know please don't come in. Uh, this one, I wanted to say that, but then I would feel bad saying it. I'm like, so I just didn't and just kind of watched it on the slide. I'm like, Lord, it's okay. It is what it is. You know, <laughs> we'll vouch for you. And then, then it'd be even worse if she walked in and I'd have to be like, rewrote it, rewrote it. You know? <laughs> Throw him right under the bus. <laughs> yes so my that ain't right is just the choice to use as a plot device to save the the imperiled person uh a sexual favor which hear me i'm not even suggesting you can't have a character use in this case feminine wiles to try to subvert the moment try to uh uh, initiate an escape plan like that's not what happens (laughs) yeah anyway so that's not what happens who else has a that ain't right? And then I'll finish this off with maybe one more. I have 
one, two, three, four, five. One of them is what you said, but mm -hmm. um, I won't list all five of them. Sure. I will list the um, the male gaze of it all is my that ain't mm -hmm. right. That um, I, I'm. Do you are you familiar with the terminology male gaze? I am. Okay, so um, um, for those that aren't, it's just the way that, and I'm not obviously not the people here, but in general. Um, how men view women, especially in media. And this is very much, and I, like, I get it. The sexploitation and grindhouse genre is like very much that. <laughs> I get it. Um, and not everything has to be for me. Um, but it's just like, like the women trying on the lingerie together. Like, that's it's a not tough a thing. Look. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. a thing that we do. Like, <laughs> love you, bitch. Like, that's not how we talk to each other. Like, <laughs> Like it's just it's very much a male <laughs> fantasy perspective that of how they is a top ten yeah. fog moment in the history of the fear of God is yeah. Viragaldi saying love you bitch you know and yeah. quoting the victim like the circle is now complete yes yeah just so it's just it's very much like a uh, stereotypical like male <clears throat> fantasy of how women sure. are and women interact and you know the fact that they're prostitutes like all, like just just that sure. <laughs> yes. Okay. We got that one. And who's next? That uh, brawl near the end of the movie between uh, Michael Bean and the surviving antagonist. Um, first, they're brawling in the cabin. And oh, no, the vase. They broke the vase. <laughs> <laughs> or the vase. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then doesn't it doesn't it go out of the Oh, the yeah, cabin yeah. It goes and then like there, down right? the hill. Yeah, I thought it was going to rival uh they live for the length of the brawl for a while there, but i think it's just it's just shy of that um, so did you know that in in that brawl when um the police officer choke holds michael bean like that was a real chokehold that he did and like michael bean was supposed to tap him out and tapped him out but then went <clears> unconscious oh for like a minute what yeah. And then Vera showed then, up with receipts. Yeah. Did you watch the making the, of video? I did watch the making <laughs> of video. Okay. See, <laughs> but yeah, they talk about that in the making of video is like the stunt coordinator was like, don't actually put him in a chokehold. And Michael Bean was like, it's fine. And uh, then it wasn't fine. Wow. Wow. Well, the, the whole thing ends up with the, the antagonist guy being smashed with a rock to the extreme because it's yeah, skull bashed in uh, mm -hmm. during, during the credits that so had the credit for the makeup artist and they showed what that looked like in broad daylight up close. Pretty intense. So. Well, it's funny. You mentioned the brawl Beckley yeah. because, <clears throat> and forgive if this is a, a, a theft of a, of that right from someone, but what I did love, because you get the impression this, this cabin is, is pretty ramshackle. Like it's not, a, it's not a shed, but it's not mm -hmm. like, you know, it's not like a mountain house either. Um, and so when Annie, um uh shoots the guy right um the desire to say blows him away but that's just really untoward uh <laughs> but when when he shoots when she shoots him multiple times i <laughs> <laughs> it's just such low hanging fruit i literally fruit, you know? feel like i'm like 15 years old i know I well and it's funny you say that jess because i said to him after the fact i said this feels like a movie made by a 16 year old boy right. with a crappy camera. Like that is what it feels like. And it's kind of startling from that standpoint anyway. Um, but the, that ain't right to piggyback on your, your, your brawl note there, Beckley is when she shoots him multiple times, I thought, 
there's no way they're not hearing that inside. But sure enough, <laughs> there is zero acknowledgement of the fact that a dude just got well, shot I thought up the other outside. guy heard it and then he thought that uh, that his buddy had shot her like he was instructed to. Maybe. I, yeah. I applaud your generosity. Um, <clears throat> maybe. Yes. But yes, the brawl is Beckley's That Ain't Right. Uh, Just Dave Asia. Um, who's next? I guess I would just say um, this is it's, it's interesting because my my that ain't right is pretty much the exact antithesis of your that's so right because i would mm, say okay. michael's bean i mean and i mean that twofold i i'll use the singular notion of michael's beans to express two different ideas in that just the gratuitous nature of so much of this and also the fact that i felt like th there was there was a lot of acting in the film that uh, wasn't necessarily self-aware um, and I, quite frankly, I felt like his was the one that took me out of it the most. I, I was quite, I was quite into the lead females acting. I felt like her acting was to me that that was in the same genre as the piece itself. But I, sure. I got the exact opposite impression. I felt like Michael B. And I was like, what movie do you think you're in? Now, like, who? <laughs> I think now, yes. I actively think we are saying effectively the same thing, which is that's why I said he doesn't know the movie he's in. He's in a better one than he's in. I agree with you. Everyone else is, is, you know, right. in the movie they're in. Right. <laughs> um, I guess it just made me. He's yeah. the director. So he, it's all in his head, what he thinks this is. And he's the one making it, right. but everybody right. else has realization. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just, Going off of, the again, the notion of Michael's beans is the fact that he is quote unquote writer and director, and yet he has written himself into the beans of the scenes in many respects. And that was that was uh, morbidly chuckling to me. Goodness he wrote gracious. himself as that the was... ruggedly handsome loner to quote the. <laughs> Like it's so awkward. Yeah. Now, to be fair, that may be a, that may be a lackeyism right there. That's that's a you know <laughs> that might be <clears throat> in the script. I just love that Asia just said the beans of the scene. You know, like that's <laughs> that's class right there. Um, it's, it's it feels accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do, um, Jess and Dave? What you got for us? I will sort of. I've, I'm going to say we can all agree, like nuance was yes. not really the strong suit. But for my not so right, I have to say, is a, a couple of little threads that came together in looking back, like when Annie was kind of reminiscing with her time <clears throat> with, what's the other girl? Mary. Okay. And there's a couple things that just kind of, for me personally, was like, ooh, that when they were driving in the car to that first meeting, and this is towards the end of the movie and they're kind of talking about being there. And I think it was the scene where Vera mentioned, but she said something like, Oh, we'll only be there for a couple hours. We're going to get the free Coke. Like you owe me. And the friends like, you know, I owe you like for 30. And that just reminds me of how much I hate being stuck somewhere without a car. It just, 
it's not right. Like you need to always, especially if someone's having you meet somebody who yeah. you do not know, it just kind of took me back. Like, honestly, seriously, to different times when you're like, I can't get stuck in this situation with these yeah. people I don't know. And I can't have control <clears throat> of what's going on. And there just were a couple of times. And I feel like towards the beginning in one of the flashbacks when they, the men had first um, or the real the guy who ends up killing Mary comes and she is kind of it, it to me it was the most nuanced like she was visibly unsettled and mm -hmm. I could feel that and I don't know I think the other females here would agree there are times in your life when you're in that situation when you're with someone and you just get the creep vibes and you're kind of like trying to figure out how do I get out of here? So it kind of yeah. reminded me of that. And um, well, and, it, and Jess, I want to applaud your, your kind of earnestness with your, your that right there. And I, I say that sincerely. So um, a, a very different movie, but what you're saying makes me think of this just last night. Um, and I mentioned this to y'all via text that I watched speak no evil. And, and um, I, 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 especially for, parents of relatively youngs so i do not i actively do not recommend it um but it it is a movie about the idea of that creeping dread that intellectual okay i'm okay but what if i'm not and and it this movie turns that dial and dave has seen it, it, it i think you can vouch for me it just turns that dial until you're until you as viewer and characters you've been watching are, are over the cliff of yeah. safety and security. It, it is harrowing, but no, I, I applaud that for how you, what you saw there, because yeah, I mean, we, we, we permit uh, uh, some uh, verisimilitude to what we've seen in this film, the victim. Uh, and to your point, that notion that you would put yourself in a scenario that is got like, everywhere you point there's a question mark like hmm and a red flag like hmm you know we really should not do this but aside from the coke she thought he was such a straight guy because he went to <laughs> church and <laughs> like literally a line from the movie well you've already delivered my favorite so um uh, dave what is your that ain't right from the victim uh well besides writing down um, you won't like where I'm going to go next with a steaming hot rod. Um, I also wrote down, <laughs> what was he? 50 years, 54 years old. Did they say yes. 54 year old guy looks like that. That's not very hopeful for the rest of us. If a <laughs> rugged woodsman <laughs> is looking like that at 54 years old. <laughs> not right. Yeah. Well, so Michael's you know, beans. <laughs> in every scene <clears throat> i've seen them beans um that makes me think of if y'all have ever seen rango the character beans from rango you should watch yeah. rango but it's a really funny character um huh. michael bean was johnny ringo in what do you know, do you know that reference tombstone no. oh hmm. his character See? was johnny ringo like i said 15 minutes ago i have not <laughs> followed the trail of the beans uh very closely um Thank you all for your that ain't rights. I think my kind of last that ain't right to kind of tie us off here is um, the gentleman who is one. Some of the lines in this are just just 
class act. I love because we're not going to get an opportunity to do this again. We're not. So I'm going to throw these out. Okay. Um, one, this is just a terrible line from Mary at the top of the movie, which is hysterical and terrible all at once. I texted Reed and I was like, yo. Um, so I'll let listeners watch it if they want to know what that is. But I love, I don't even, I didn't even write down who says it, but it's two characters in the scene. I imagine, I don't even, I don't know. There's only I'm five people imagine. in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But my note literally says, ha ha. And then two lines and it says really hard pivot there. Someone says to the other and it's, a, it's, I, I don't, I, who knows? Oh, it must be Bean to Annie. That must be what it is. He says, what about the FBI, the DEA? And she goes, you like me, don't you? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? You know, <laughs> I didn't know better. You may offer yourself 30 minutes from now to someone in a, in a really precarious position here. Um, so that one was great. And I love, I love at the end of the film when uh, Bean has just, just, just beamed the guy's dome to smithereens. <laughs> In that scene, Bean put to smithereens, that guy's Bean. Um, but Annie says he didn't deserve that. And the Bean, unforgiven quote. <laughs> Bean says, saw a film once. And then he rattles <laughs> off a thing and he says, deserves got nothing to do with it. I, I saw that. a film once was my favorite part and i wrote <laughs> i love when a guy believe bases his entire belief of karmic justice off that one scene from that one movie he saw that one time like that <laughs> is just how you build uh, uh an internal life structure right there <laughs> as a guy who you know kind of makes a hobby off of uh, uh adopting movies you think when you, when you quote unforgiven that you would look it up to make sure you get the quote right <laughs> is that what he's quoting unforgiven well yeah yeah, yeah obviously but he he says the word Jeez, deserves. <laughs> well, in the in, in in the victim, he says deserving's got nothing to do with it. But <clears throat> in unforgiveness, deserves got nothing to do, do with it. Throw the whole movie out. Yeah, wow, I, I wonder if he Beckley. did that on purpose. Jeez, to, everyone's a critic. Uh, he didn't want to make um, it too perfect. But honestly, my bad ain't right that I wanted to tie everything off with. I wanted to throw those lines out just because they were just chef's kiss. Um, was the mustache. Just period. Ooh. You see that guy, and no. you know two. You know two things. Creepy. Creepy. He's the bad guy, and he's gonna die. Like that's that is <laughs> what that signals, right there. He, um, the, the, the mustache was definitely typecast for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So thank you so much. Y'all are amazing. Thank you for your uh, uh, indulgence here. Uh, and for correcting me, Beckley, and for quoting the movie, Vera. Um, that has been the part of the show where we have discussed things that are not just wrong, but of which might be said that ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. All right, guys, we have a special guest. He has been waiting 12 very long years to talk to this very crowd about this very film. It is your second favorite Fogger and first favorite Reed, our sometimes fearless, sometimes fearful leader, the man who gets a story by credit and maybe is glad for that. My friend, your friend, our friend, it's Reed Lackey. Reed. Hey, buddy. Hi. How's it going, everybody? 
Hey, we're here. <laughs> it's so good to see all of you. Isn't Happy it? New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy Reed. Yes. Yeah. Paper Froggers are present with you. So, <clears throat> Reed, mm-hmm. uh, we, we talked about the Vanity Rights of the Victim. Um, you okay. are our special guest here as uh, uh, shedding light with your particular insights um, on your experience of this. And slight pivot to sincerity, uh, quite uh, uh, earnestly so. I want to extend to you, whatever the curves and bends in the road, they're a part of the story of the writing Mm. of what would become the victim. Yeah. I want, I think, to speak for all of us uh, when I say uh, uh, with not a shred of um, sarcasm that we are proud of you for fashioning a thing and putting it into the world. So a round of applause slightly to your microphones for Reed Lackey, our friend. Um, Very sweet of all of you. Thank you. now about this <laughs> movie so read um we've gathered our fellowship here and they may have have some questions for you but i wanted to start oh, just to sure. kind of get the get the ball rolling um give them permission to ponder to think to hear a little bit um so you know i had kind of a ringside seat because uh uh it isn't just for radio that we talk about the two decades of friendship we've <laughs> shared and and so i i uh, uh, do recall the experience of, of watching you go through this. And so I want to set, mm. I want you to set the stage for us. Um, you know, cause, because whatever the film, the victim ultimately became is kind of irrelevant to your sort of, uh, fashioning it and, and, and creating this thing, uh, that, mm. that had a path that got it itself there. So set, set the stage for us a little bit, maybe about okay. the original intention behind the writing of the piece, um, not really even talking yet about kind of the selling adaptation, but just your kind of willing this thing into being what prompted it, what inspired it, why did it matter to you at that point in time? So run with that in a minute. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, in brief, uh, I've told this story a few different times, but this, this particular offering is unrehearsed. So I'll try to, I'll try to make it really brief. So, little bit of context. I had written a bunch of short stories. I had written short screenplays. I had written a bunch of smaller things. I had never <clears> written <throat> a feature of any degree. Um, so I had never completed a full-length novel, had never completed a feature-length screenplay, and had always wanted to. It was one of those things where I was like, I, I'd love to do that at some point. Well, uh, I was in California, and I was working for the Virgin Megastore, which was in the States at the time. I think they're all back in England now. And uh, the only thing that matters for this context is that two o'clock on a Friday afternoon, because of some really bad weather and some even worse gutter maintenance, the roof of the store where I worked caved in two o'clock on a Friday afternoon, completely caved in and uh, flooded the whole store. What then resulted from that is they needed to do some inventory. They needed to do some repairs to the store, but they did think it wasn't prudent to just let the entire staff go and then have to rehire everybody back. So what they did was they said, it's going to be about a six week to eight week process to get things back underway. We are going to keep the staff on payroll for your average hours. You just won't have to come to work, stay on payroll. You are still employed. You just won't have to come to work. And what I decided to do with that time, multiple people might've done multiple things, but um, among catching up with some books, I visited the library like every other day or whatever. I was like, Dog on it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to write a screenplay. I'm, I'm going to 
treat my screenplay like my job. I gave myself working hours. I gave myself, so like, I am going to write a screenplay. And I had several ideas bouncing around in my head. The, the one idea that was kind of percolating that I needed to, to kind of extrapolate, we've seen some, we've probably all seen horror films. The original Halloween has this. Um, damsel in distress, running away from killer, runs up to door, pounds on the door, says, please, please let me in. And in horror films, they never let him in. <laughs> like, I, can't, I don't remember anybody ever opening the door and being like, sure, come on in, you know, or like, let me help you. They rarely do. Uh, I can't recall one where they ever do. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if we started there and then went from there. So that germ of an idea was there. I was like, what if we started there and then saw what built out? But I still didn't have like very much else going on in it. Well, then I was uh, recalling a situation from maybe four or five months prior where my car had been in an accident and wasn't drivable. So I was biking to work. And when I was biking to work, I was almost to work and a cop pulled me over on my bicycle. Now, I'm still convinced to this day that the reason they pulled me over, this was you know a couple decades ago, the reason they pulled me over is because they thought I was a truant. That is my interpretation of events because the first questions out of their mouth were like, how old are you? I'm 23. And they're like, can you prove that? Here's, here's my license. And they're like, well, where are you going? I'm like, well, I'm going to work. This cop, I'm not saying this about police officers. I'm not saying, you know, not, but this particular individual, my interpretation was they were embarrassed that they have pulled over a mid 20s person for no reason whatsoever and decided to try to give me a ticket and like grab the serial number off my bicycle, gave me a ticket because I had headphones on. Like that was, they were like, you can't do this. It's like a $120 ticket. And I was angry. <laughs> I was angry. So then I was like, okay, girls running up. We need to find a villain. Ah, cops, <laughs> cops, <laughs> cops are going to be got my villain. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my villain. I, uh, I'm going to go back to that memory and that, that the cops are going to be. And so that was the impetus for the scenario. And then all I needed to do was populate it with a character who I then had to explore, like, what's going on with this character. Now, my original story, particularly surrounding the ending, has a very different destiny for Kyle and a very different sort of who is Kyle, what is Kyle all about, all that kind of thing. So that is very different from the finished film, from my <clears throat> original story. But put pen to paper, and in about two and a half weeks, I had the screenplay to the victim. And I was like, I've done a thing. So I've done a thing, everybody. I, d I did a thing. Um, went nowhere. Shoved it in a drawer. Let like two friends read it, and that was it. So shoved it in a drawer. Well, then... I was, I was one of those. Yes, that is true. Um, and, uh, and so then, I don't know how much you want me to go into that, but that, that is the conclusion of your question. Like, where, what was my intent? Where did the ideas come from? All that sort of thing. That, that was pretty much it. As I was like, I wanted to see what happens when the damsel in distress who's begging for help actually gets let in and what is she running from and what does that all look like and who has let her in and who is but still her. still related yeah. to that um mm -hmm. and and not stepping on any toes just yet a a component of that puzzle piece or of that puzzle is is the nature of kyle so so you know mm -hmm. right i mean that's oh yeah to my recollection, the 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 notion and nature of even the title itself was meant to suggest, okay, actually, even this person you've kind of thrown your safety in the hands of is now so so was that yeah. an added sort of element that you just kind of stumbled into? So 
Yeah. Trying to, so trying to keep it to that initial script idea. Honestly, uh, I, of course, subscribe to the Stephen King philosophy of writing, which means I don't have my ending when I get started. Um, and it wasn't until I reached some climactic <clears throat> moments towards the conclusion of the screenplay. Um, I will reveal now what the what the original ending of my first script was um, towards the end of the movie before the final duke it out confrontation that all plays out very differently uh in the scene where annie and the second police officer are you know he's threatening he's been sent he's going to kill her she's trying to devise a plan to get out of that in the film she overtakes his gun and and shoots him what happens in the reel is a raccoon in the building behind them knocks over a box and the box is very bloody. So it pauses the whole exchange and they're like, what's going on when they make their way into yes. Trash Panda. When they make their way into, uh, when they make their way into the shed behind the house, they discover an avalanche of dismembered body parts. And that is when we realize that Kyle is a number one serial killer, vicious monster, badass. You do not want to mess with this guy. And they realize that and they realize that he is the one who is responsible for all of these missing girls that have been against not the cops. And at that moment in my original draft, the tide immediately turns. Kyle becomes an almost superhuman monster. They throw everything at him. They cannot stop him. He levels up into a kind of Michael Myers figure for the finale, taking out everybody. And there, there was a moment that I still really enjoyed between him and Annie at the end where it is left ambiguous if he lets her survive or not. We do not see him kill her. It is left ambiguous if he allows her to get away because of what they've shared together or if he does her in. We don't find out in my original story. Um, there was a notation when it was adapted that they specifically wanted to remove the suddenly Kyle is a, a you know, a, a monstrous Michael Myers figure. They wanted to keep it from their vantage point a little bit more grounded in tone with the rest of the piece. And so they made, you know, a multitude of different changes, but that was a big reason why they changed it at the end. And a big reason why that monologue happens at the end to kind of play with a similar idea of, oh, well, who is Kyle really? And what is Kyle really about? And what does he do? And what does he not do? Kind of a wink and nod to what was in the original piece. But yeah, in my original ending, uh, it, you know, Kyle levels up and he, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly what he does, <laughs> what he does to those cops after that. So, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I, I appreciate that. And, and that part, I didn't, I, re I recalled enough Kyle, is actually, you know, far more insidious than he appears and the, and the initial steps of the story would sure. suggest. Um, I, I couldn't quite remember, remember how that resolved. I want to invite uh, our company here to ask sure. any questions they may have. Um, so kind of whoever would like to do so feel the freedom. All right. I want to know, because I wouldn't call myself an artist and creative, but I like <laughs> to hear about the creative process. And mm. I'm thinking more about like the emotional, 
like, how did you get to the point where you are going to take something you had made mm-hmm. that you had co- total control of mm-hmm. and kind of put it out there? And like, just what was that like, mm-hmm. you know, that, oh, yeah. that emotional journey of, um, you know, cause you want to make a living at doing this, I guess, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. just sit yeah. with your art, you you've got to, put it out there. I just want to know, like, what was that like? And was this your first time ever, you know, doing something on that scale that you had created? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was a roller coaster is the short answer. It was an absolute roller coaster. Um, And so, so a little bit of context for how it came to be. Uh, I shoved it in a drawer, Nathan and like two other friends read it. And that was it. That was the extent of it. Well, I was working uh, with some friends who had friends that wanted to kind of get into movie making and they were just asking around. They were just like, anybody got a script in your car? Like anybody got a whatever? And I literally said back to them at one point, I was like, well, I have have something I wrote a few years back. You're welcome to read it, see if there's anything to it or whatever. They're like, yeah, sure, whatever. So I gave it to him and uh, you know, we had a little exchange, like he paid me a dollar and we had a little thing on there that said he couldn't go off and pretend it was his own, but that was about it. He went off. I didn't, I didn't hear nothing for years, you know, fell in love with my wife. We got married, didn't hear a thing for, you know, it was just still in the drawer somewhere. And I had just done this thing about my wife and I had been married for like eight months. And then I get a Facebook message. And this was back before lots of spamming, weird, like random stranger protection kind of things. Um, or at least before that was a really, really big deal. But the, the note was very specific. It literally said, are you the Reed Lackey who wrote the victim? Random. Never heard of That's this guy. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. And I was like, are you the Reed Lackey who wrote The Victim? So I replied to the message. I was like, I, I did happen to write a script called The Victim. Who are you and what what's going on? And then I found out that that script had <clears throat> bounced around different places. Somehow it had wound up in Seattle. And this, this guy who is a producer read it, really liked it. And he was like, I want to see if I can do something with it. So can I, can I option it? And I was like, well... Where'd you get it? Like, you know, I have this original option with this other guy. He was like, well, yeah, that he said, I got it from a guy who got it from a guy or whatever. I don't know how many people read it, whatever. So it was one of those things where suddenly it wound up in his hands. And I was like, okay, well, I said, you know, uh, let me just tie this off with an email. I emailed that other guy back. And that other guy was like, yeah, I mean, if you can make something happen with it, that's great. I couldn't make anything happen with it. So I was like, okay, fine. Go back to Facebook guy and said, yes, uh, we'll make up an arrangement. It's yours. So then months later, this other guy, his name was Lucian. He's a, a producer on the film. Um, he goes off and he does a few things. Suddenly I get a call. Interestingly enough, Tara Reed was attached at one point. Like there was some different, there was all these different like iterations. And then he calls me and he says, Michael Bean is interested in doing this. So getting back to your question, Jess, that's it. like, that's how the sort of ramp up happened. I was incredibly lucky that I was not emotionally attached to the victim itself as a property. I wasn't, I wasn't in a place where I was like, this is my citizen Kane. Okay. Like I'm going to like, it was literally, I had farted it out in two and a half weeks and sent it off into the world. You know, like that's literally like, (laughs) it was like, it was was one of those things where I was like, let's see what happens with it. And so I had, I was lucky and I mean it, I was lucky. I had not poured a ton of blood, sweat, tears, anything in it. My wife, asked me at one point. She was like, why did you write this? And I was like, I thought the story was interesting. I wanted to just get something out of my system. And that was really all it was. Like, it wasn't some high-minded, let me pray over this kind of thing. Like, I've done material like that. This wasn't that. This was just, 
Let me just get it out of my system. And so that positioned me in a place to where I did feel the freedom to say, oh, y'all want to do something with it? Sure. Y'all go do something with it. I don't. Oh, you want to do that with it? Well, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, so I was like, and it was, it really, it really positioned me in a place to be more, to be more free about that, not taking up too much of everybody's time, but the, the, the ins and outs of navigating that world. I talked with people who I felt I could trust and found out I couldn't. I talked with people who I felt I could trust and found out I could. I talked with people who started off one way and by the end of the story, I felt very differently about them because of their character and interactions and everything. But I tried in that process to just stay anchored to one goal. I want to be paid an amount I'm comfortable with for my script and then you go and do whatever you want to with it. And because I was positioned in that place for it, I was able to navigate all of the other ins and outs and stay focused back on that metronome of just like, I want the check to clear. And if the check clears, <laughs> God be with you all. Like whatever you want to do with all of it, y'all can just go do it. Um, and and I do think ultimately that luck, and I keep saying luck, God's favor, whatever people want to attach to it, whatever the situation was that positioned me there I think if I had felt more precious about it, it would have gone very differently. And I would probably feel very differently about the process. I consider myself incredibly fortunate that the first thing I wandered into all of that with was something I didn't feel precious about the material. I was able to just say, you know, okay, yeah, good, cool. Y'all want to do that? Great. Y'all want to do that? Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> did, the, did the filmmakers ever invite you to uh, go on set or... Did you yes. meet them? Or? Yes. So met all of them. Uh, actually, bit a bit of a funny story that you didn't ask. Um, so uh, I getting back to Jess's question, I wanted to be paid for it. There was a conversation early on in the development process when it began to get legs where they wanted <clears throat> me to agree to a modification of my contract where I would take the money deferred. Basically, I wouldn't be paid anything up front. I would only be paid if the film made money. I felt uncomfortable with that. I had a friend who was a producer. He advised, do not do that. Do not do that. You will never see a dime of that money if you do that. And so I said back to those, to those individuals, I said, I said, you know, I appreciate they wanted to double what I was getting paid if I would take it all later. And right. I said, I appreciate the offer of, of double. I would prefer to stick with the original agreement and just pay me now and would do that. Some people on the production received that and said, that's fair. We will work to honor that original agreement, and then that will be done. Some people received that as me, and I don't know, I wasn't privy to all of these conversations, but some people received that as me thinking I was too big for my britches and me thinking I had more clout than I did. And I began to be somewhat trashed by a number of different people on the production, not by everybody. But I began to be kind of like, who is this Reed think he is and whatever, and got phone calls and some emails where they said, we will bury you in the press. Like, we will say Jesus. you were a jerk who almost didn't get this film made, like all of that, like some pretty, pretty heinous things on that part of it. And getting back to Jess's question again, I was just like, y'all just cut the check. Like, seriously, like I felt, I, you know, I don't want to act as if I was impervious to the feelings, but I kept get able to come back to that metronome of like, just cut the check and then we'll move on. Hate that this is all happening, but just cut the check. And there was one person 
I, I, I do want to say I love this. I love businessman lackey like hey cut the check okay like, <laughs> <Yeah>. just, <laughs> just cut yeah. the check um I, I, w- I will uh say one thing various people on the production felt various different ways about things okay but one thing I will say is the guy who plays uh the the Harrison in the film Ryan Honey um, he was one individual who I felt in the conversations, like kind of understood where I was coming from, just, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. He was like, whenever people would say, yeah, this Reed thing, he's got a big head and he doesn't even have an agent and all this other stuff. Ryan was pretty consistently because he would talk to me. He was like, I don't think that's where Reed's coming from. I don't think that's what this is. Reed just seems like he just wants to, to, to stick with the original agreement. So I appreciated his advocacy on that front. But anyway, was, was that stash or no stash? That's stash. That's yeah, that was stash. Okay. That was stash. That was yeah, stash. Yeah. He's just against type. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but at any rate, so, so then we finally got it all done. I got, I got the check. The check did not bounce all over and done with. Okay. That was it. And uh, all I wanted was to take my wife on a really nice first anniversary. That's all I wanted to do. Um, but so anyway, uh, getting back to your question, Stephen, they rewrite the script. Okay. And I'm, I'm still convinced to this day. I do not know this, but I'm still convinced to this day that some poor production assistant forgot to leave me off the email. That's that I'm convinced to this day <laughs> because they emailed the new copy of the script and the dates of the production schedule. They emailed me the copy of the script, right? <clears throat> and at that point when they did that, I saw it. I read it. It was the, the, the version that, that made it to screen. I saw it. I read it. I wrote back, reply all, and I said, uh, congratulations on the script. Please have a safe and wonderful production. Everything looks great. I hope this is a great movie. I wish you all, you know, I just wishing everybody the best. It was brief. I didn't write a big paragraph, but I just wrote back this little blurb saying, good luck to everybody. Congratulations. This looks great. I hope we, I hope it's, it's a great film. And that was the end of it. And, and in my mind at that moment, when I clicked send, I was like, I have put it to bed. I have, I have, the check has, has been cleared. I have put it to bed. An hour later, I got a call from Michael Bean himself and Michael Bean called me. And when he called me, not for nothing, he said on that phone call, he said, I don't remember ever seeing an email like that in my career. I don't remember ever seeing a first time writer. Take that, James Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) But he was what he was, what I understood of what he was talking about was he was saying that was a really generous email. And he said, based on how things have gone down with some members of the production and everything, that was a really generous email. And so he, so he basically was saying, he was like, I wanted to call him personally to your question, Stevie. I wanted to call him personally, invite you to set. Like you're one of the family, like all of that other stuff. It, it's over and done with. Uh, I, I got apologies from people who had treated me poorly and everything. And he was like, yep, it's over and done with. And, and, and you have my word that you're invited to set anytime you want. Any day you want, whatever. I wasn't able to go every day, but I did visit set a couple of times. 
And, uh, and whenever I went, they, they, everybody was really sweet to me after that. And everybody was very, um, everybody was very kind. And everybody, when I went on set, they were like, Oh, you wrote, you wrote the first one. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. And, um, and just every, you know, everybody, everybody, uh, I got to meet not enough Coke and sex, you know, (laughs) I wasn't on set those days, but, um, but, but, um, but basically, like all, you know, all of that was how that played out. And and there's even, you know, uh, I, I I felt free to like, can I invite my wife to the set? So Jen came to the set and um, there's even a picture of us in the credits yeah. from the day that we were on set. And uh, it, on the Blu-ray, there's a behind the scene one that I, that I will tell you this last story and then that'll tie off the question. But um, the 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 first day that I was there. Um, they were wrapping up and it was actually the day that they were filming the really bloody scene where like everybody was all violent and there was just blood everywhere. It was just all gross. Well, then as everybody was wrapping up and the, the, the PAs were all going around everywhere. And when they were doing that, um, towards the end of it, everybody was sort of saying their goodbyes, but they, they were taking some cast photos of like Michael Bean with some of the other actors and, and everything like that. And then he again saw me and he was like, Reed, Reed, get over here. And so, like, uh. gathered a bunch of the cast together, put me and my wife in front of them and took a big cast photo, yelled at the top of their lungs, like, who's the victim now? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and um, and so it was just really kind. And, and the last thing I'll say about that is some some personalities on the production and involved in things had initially said, you know, we'll bury you in the press, all of that kind of stuff. Somewhat, uh, perhaps ironically, when Michael Bean went on the Adam Carolla show or when he went on Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith or whatever, uh, he would always say my name. He would always like he was like, yeah, this kid Reed wrote. He's like, you know, it, it, the script wasn't ready, but we liked it and we wanted to do some different stuff with it. And so uh, but he was always very complimentary to me in public interviews and everything like that. Complete, complete turnaround. And it taught me, you know, you didn't ask this, uh, Steve, but but it taught me like err on the side of being kind if you can yeah. if you if you can stomach it err on the side of being kind and maybe maybe that can change things sometimes it doesn't but maybe that can change things so yeah that was the very long way to answer yeah i, I visited set uh, a few different times so yeah that's great i love how to hear about that. them beans yeah i, I started when, I, when I, ever since i first heard that you worked on a movie that uh, went on to be directed by michael bean i'd wondered mm. what kind of a guy he was so it's good to hear that yeah. And, and what was interesting is that he was, you know, on set and, and, and he, he, I think would be open about this. He's a very volcanic personality. He's very passionate about everything that he does. And, and, uh, and so when he was on set, you know, one other interesting thing, uh, that happened about like specifically about Michael Bean, when the film was finished, um, his wife had told me the wrong day to, uh, go to the screening. It was a complete accident. Uh, she had told me that it was supposed to be Tuesday. In fact, it was Wednesday. So I took the day off work and I went and I was like, I'm here, but nobody else is here. And she was like, it's supposed to be tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, crap, I can't have tomorrow off. I took today off <laughs> to do this. So uh, they both, uh, she and Michael together, invited me to their house to watch it. The first time I saw it was at their house with Michael, like, you know, playing host and like bringing me Diet Cokes and stuff Whoa. like that. And then we had a great conversation after it and everything. And so... Um, so yeah, like the, the turmoil of the first part of it with all of the stress and not knowing what to do and everything actually from, from my perspective had a lot of happy endings that I'm still very grateful for. I'm still friends with all of them on Facebook. Like I still send, uh, 
I still I still send Michael Bean a text for his birthday saying happy birthday and he'll write back saying thank that's you. <laughs> that's yeah, about as far as we talk. Co-star of the movie Jennifer Blanc, right? Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. That's her. And you, and said still you, got, you met uh, Danielle Harris as well. I sure did. She was yeah. she was really kind. She was really sweet. Uh, she was really fun. I didn't talk with her very much. I met her on the day that they were filming the apartment scenes. You know where they where she's trying oh, on yeah. different outfits and stuff like that. That was the day that uh, that was the day that I met her. And uh, yeah, it was that was a big deal because of the Halloween stuff. So I was like, oh my yeah. god, Daniel Harris. But yeah. <laughs> so Vera, I think you raised your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Yeah. Um, I like the picture of you. That's in the credits. It's very cute with you and your wife. Um, I'm such so, a baby in that picture. You are. You are. <laughs> Those are yeah. the exact words that Nathan used when I <laughs> that to the chat. It's so true. It's so true. Um, so it is a. It was not a two part question, but now it is a two part question. Okay. Um, how much of the bones of the movie, like you mentioned, that um only the very, very ending is, is kind of the concept of uh, that you had where it's maybe he's a serial killer. Maybe he's not. Um, But how much of the bones of the rest of the movie Mm. are from your script? Like maybe major plot points part two, did you end up taking your wife on an anniversary trip and where did you go? Oh yeah. 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 So I'll answer the second part first. Uh, Yeah. We went uh, to Vegas we were childless, of course, first year of marriage. We hadn't had a child yet. And so we were like, yeah, we were, uh, we went to Vegas and we got a suite in the Bellagio and we uh, saw, I think, the Beatles Cirque du Soleil show while we were there. It was really great. It was nice. really a fun oh, time. But yeah, it was really, that's so cool. yeah, it was, yeah, it was really, it was, it was really fun. It was really fun. Still one of my fondest memories. It was, it was really cool. Um, so to the first part of your question, um, any of the things that are in flashback, were not in my script, but some of those same events were talked about. So I had no flashbacks in my script, but some of those same scenes as described were talked about by other characters. So none of the flashback stuff was, was in my script. Um, the major scenes that are from my script are the exchange where she runs up to the door, her initial conversation with Kyle, uh, the cops showing up, like not only is that scene from my first one, but some, a, a good bit of the dialogue also uh, is still the same as, as, as I initially conceived of it. A lot's changed, but, but a lot was different as well. Uh, the other thing is, is Kyle's interrogation scene of Harrison. And when Harrison like creeps up on them after like he ambushes them and that whole exchange that was in my script. And then uh like you said, the major plot points, them going out to find the body, the other cop gets the drop on him, comes back, Kyle's getting beaten up, that whole exchange. So so those are the major things that were present in my script uh, that then sort of what extended out of them and how they fleshed out the different character stuff and all of that was was a, a large part of what they updated. So what they changed. So yeah. Yep. Asia. I have a question. So after this whole process, you have a screenplay that has evolved into an actual production that's out there and you've been, mm-hmm. you know, you've been, you've been made a professional having been paid for it with a check that yeah. cleared. Yeah, what does that do try. to, um, what does that do to your, A, to your confidence as a writer moving mm-hmm. forward with any other mm-hmm. projects you tackle? And did it ultimately seeing the kinds of changes that were made did that f- change your writing process at all for any future work? It's mm, a great question. Um, so I'll talk about the confidence first. Um, again, 
I, I, I sit at the feet in terms of writing uh, mentors of, of what Stephen King has written about it. And Stephen King determines, he said, yes, he said, if somebody has acquired your material and paid you a check for it that did not bounce, you're talented. Go to the bank on that. Like, like so many people don't have that opportunity. So if that happens, you're talented. Take that and run with it. Um, I also had, there's another producer on the film. His name is Travis Romero. Again, we're still friends or at least still Facebook friends. Um, he said a very kind thing to me when I was on set. He, and, and this puts some things into perspective relative to your question. Um, he said to me when I walked on set, he said, do you know how many people you just jumped ahead of in line in the fact that you wrote something that is being made? Do you, do you know how many, at least hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people you jumped ahead of in the fact that that is happening right now? And that was, again, it was, it was meant as a kind statement. Hopefully my expression of it is not coming across, across arrogant because I received that as like, wow. So, so in terms of confidence, it did give me a little bit more freedom to be like, okay, I can trust my instincts for what is interesting. That was one of my biggest takeaways <laughs> is I can trust my instincts for what's interesting. If I think it's interesting, there is a really good shot that somebody out there will also think it's interesting. Interesting is not the same thing as good. Interesting is not the same thing as works and, 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 and makes it and all that stuff. But if, if I think it's interesting, I can trust those instincts. And, uh, and so I have carried that with me when I put something down on paper. That's really the question that, am I interested in what's happening? Oh, well, yeah, I'm interested. Then maybe the person who reads it won't find it that way, but somebody probably will. Somebody also, also will probably think it's interesting. So that's what it did for my confidence. Um, the other thing, you know, kind of back to Jesse's, to, to Jess's question, but also, uh, you know, on yours, it did teach me firmly not to be precious about the material. And I think that's an invaluable, invaluable lesson that like it taught me, do not consider this material sacred. It's work. It is, you have, you have produced the thing and this is work and, and other people are going to have a different vision, a different interpretation, and maybe you'll like it and maybe you won't, but it firmly taught me to position myself with every single, every single thing I put out in the world. Some people may read it and go like, I was really bored with that. That's okay. It's completely okay. And somebody else may read it and be like, holy crap, where did you, why haven't you, why aren't you making money at this? Well, I don't know, you know, pay me, you know, cut the check. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but, but it show me the money, lackey, show me the money. But, but I do consider that to be a really important lesson as a creative is I have to trust that it is genuinely interesting because I find it interesting. So I'm, you know, I'm sort of following that path as it were to that other end i can't be too precious about it if it doesn't work for everybody that is okay if it doesn't work for many people then maybe shoot maybe that one was for me maybe that one was just for me and that's okay too that's that it's all right if i if i write something that's just kind of for me and if i liked it and nobody else liked it that's okay um and so that i think positioned me in a place to be a lot more free with what i write i still kind of keep audience in mind and still try to, you know, follow the fundamentals and the tactics I've hopefully learned along the way to say like, yeah, this works, this doesn't work. But, uh, but that freedom of knowing I can trust my instincts and don't be too precious about what comes as a result of it was pretty invaluable for me as an individual. Does that answer your question? Does that help? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Yeah, no problem. It's funny to read your note on the work just there. I happened to see a blip of an interview with Michael Keaton recently, and he like current era michael keaton mm -hmm. and someone was interviewing him about the audition process which which i can 
relate to because he was talking about how much he hated it. And he said the game really changed for him when he just viewed the audition process itself as part of the work. Like, mm. don't mm. get precious about even this. Like, it is it is the showing up. It is the just, you know, you, you put yeah. on your... It, it's the professional's version of putting on this or the actor's version of the professional putting on a suit and tie and going to the office. Like this yeah. is just part yep. of it. This um, is just the work. Yep. Uh, before I invite Reed to say a final thing, does anyone got any further questions related to the victim? If not Reed, I mean, this is, I don't know when like Annie banging on Kyle's door, someone's going to come at you wanting to talk about the victim again. So this is kind of your, your final <laughs> note as far as we are concerned we we 300 episodes of the fear of god six years of the fear of god 12 years mm. of the victim in the world there any, it is a so my two-part question is a is there any final thoughts you have on just the process and experience of of the victim be it uh, uh in the rear view and uh, uh what you learned along the way type of stuff and then b you know uh before you came on i referenced 40 which um you know i actually have seen that one because you know have you seen the two movies? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Joke. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, which I think those assembled here, uh, at least in a certain degree, have seen. Um, is there so part B is is there something else on the horizon for you? Um, you oh, know, from a nice path standpoint. So final word on the victim from you, the architect and originator mm -hmm. of it, and then is there something we can sort of anticipate and be in solidarity and celebration with you for? So, real quick before I do that. Uh, I'm just I'm looking around on faces and Dave, you keep look like and you raise a, your hand. I don't know if you're like if you're trying to interject a question or if uh, if not, if not, then I'll answer Nathan's. But I just wanted to I didn't want to leave you in the oh. dust if that was what I was picking up on. No, I I did have a question. I don't need to ask it. But um, mm, mm, mm -hmm. yeah, yes, you do. Lot, Please a lot do. Of, a lot <laughs> of what you said kind of has kind of answered it. But um, but I also had it. I also had a comment and oh um, sure yeah 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 i mean and uh and an observation both of these are meant to be encouragements um you know just for again going back to the thing you put something out there and mm. um you know being able to create something like that is obviously obviously um an inspiring thing for any artist to do um, this is not quite the same thing, but I'm listening to you talk and, and it's kind of taking, taking me back because I wasn't into movies, but I was into music and I, um, mm. you know, I took a run at, at trying to, uh, put together a band and do something with it. So when you're, yeah. when you were sharing about some of your experiences, I'm, you know, I was thinking back to, uh, and it's, it's really connecting, some of the dots with my my own journey there as far as like when i when i first uh made you know put together the band and i was uh, really kind of at the head of doing a lot of the writing and putting mm -hmm. some stuff together we brought in some people kind of the front the front of the band and we put together this album that we felt we felt good with we put together a tour of our own and it was at the point when somebody from Nashville took notice and stepped in and they actually came and um, they were really focused on the people that we brought in the front of the band as nice. the face of the vehicle. Um, and in, I mean, long story short, kind of left um, me and my friend who had started the band a little bit in the background. 
But mm. um, what ended up happening with that whole project is that it as soon as it got to Nashville, they started to reshape it and they started to um, mm. turn it into something that kind of recognized but didn't quite recognize. Mm. And mm. Um, and that was a hard thing. Like that yeah. was a hard thing to yeah. kind of let go of it. And uh, basically what they did is they kind of redid the album that we made and re-released a very produced version of it. Yeah, that, of um, course. And, and what's interesting about that on the financial side too, because um, that's kind of when I stepped out of the band, the two people that we had brought in the front it moved to Nashville. They brought in some other players and yeah. I didn't, they used the songs that, I helped write and use the songs. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I had put together and they reshaped them. I didn't see a dime from it. Mm. Um, so, you know, I totally get the, um, the attachment to the product and the questions about the, the financial side. And Sure. Of um, course. Yeah. But, but anyways, that was just in like to say that, uh, yeah, I appreciated you sharing that from, you know, perspective of an artist. And I oh, also want to say I was reading in a book today <laughs> and just <laughs> to kind of say, like, you know, when you when you watch a movie, you're looking at something and you're kind of picking out, OK, this is the movie that I'm seeing and I'm interpreting from my experience. But then sure. you're also looking at the movie and getting to know the filmmaker, the artist, the, the ones that made it, right? You're looking mm -hmm. and you're learning a little bit about what they want to say. Sure. And um, so I'm a big theme guy. And <laughs> I was reading a book this morning and it was called uh, Beauty, the Invisible Embrace by John O'Donoghue. Mm. And uh, I just thought I'd read this paragraph because, um, okay, so it says there are, are times in life when life seems little more than a matter of struggle and endurance, when difficulty and disappointment form a crust around the heart because it can deeply hurt, the heart hardens. There are concerns in every heart which are utterly devoid of illusion, places where we know and remember the nature of devastation. Mm. Yet, through, though the music of the heart may grow faint, there is in each of us an unprotected place that beauty can always reach out and touch. It was Blaise Pep. Pascal, who said, in difficult times, you should always carry something beautiful in your mind. And then mm. it goes on to say that about going out into nature and finding a reconnection there with beauty and finding, you know, a place to connect and not feel alone in this world. Sure. And yeah. Mm. I'm just thinking back, all of a sudden, I'm just hyperlinking back to your movie. And I'm saying, well, you know what? This is where I'm seeing read all in this movie <laughs> the fact that i'm hyperlinking and taking a passage like that and reading it back into the movie and you know and it was the same thing watching 40 is mm. um you know you can pick up on somebody that i think has a really uh has a lot to say and a really good knack of theme and even though you kind of wrote that off to say, hey, I just put it together. I put it out there. <laughs> I didn't care about it. I still think that there, you know, this taught me that, well, in a movie like that, you know, I'm still picking out those kernels that, uh, you know, that does prove that you, um, I think you've got, proves that you have talent. You got something to say. Oh, that's kind of you. Thank well you. Well, that's, that's very, that's 
that's very kind of you, Dave. I really appreciate you sharing. Um, I, you know, I will say one, one so so I'll, I'll rattle this off, and then 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 you know this can kind of be my final sort of thing on the victim, and then I'll answer part B of of Nathan's question. Um, so yeah, I will say that was one thing about it. There were, you know, I I I don't hold them a grudge for this. It would be a lie to say it didn't hurt because it hurt, but I don't I don't carry a grudge about it. I did have a whole subset of my of my family. Um, and my friends from other circles, specifically the more religious spiritual ones who, uh, actively like, like some of them went more extreme than others in sort of the disavowance of the victim, as it were, uh, Jess, back to your question, there was some real tension in that, you know, Hey, I feel proud of this people I love and adore don't feel proud of this. In fact, they're embarrassed by it. How do I, how do I navigate all of that? That feels weird. Um, so, so that was a real tension as well. And, and, uh, just trying to understand, I'm I'm directly riffing off something you said, Dave. Uh, I, I talked many, many times with my wife about this, perhaps the, and as it should be the most intimate conversations with my wife about this part, it's still a part of me. Like the story that produced the victim is like the same, the same well, that wrote the original story for the victim is the same well that wrote the story that was, that became 40, you know, like, and, and trying to understand, like, you know, we talk a lot on the show, fear of God about inclusion and forgiveness and everything like they're there. And for me to pretend that those elements are not there is for me to divorce myself from myself in some ways that I don't think are healthy. I have to recognize like, no, that that's, that's in there. And maybe it's just because I find it interesting or maybe it's because there's something that I'm working out creatively in that process, but it's there. And, um, and it always meant so much to me that people in my life who I knew were still not really on board for it. And they probably like did not enjoy the watching of it. I always said the same thing to family members, friends, to anybody. I thank you. And I say this to all of you sincerely. I know Nathan kind of coerced you into this. I'm not dismissing this, but but I say this sincerely. Thank you for taking the time to 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 watch something that was born of some of of some creative ideas. Thank you for taking the time to watch it. Thank you for sharing some honest thoughts about it. That means a lot to me because that's a special thing in the world. Not everybody does that. A lot of times people are just like, oh, whatever, I ain't got the time or I ain't even have the whatever. It means a lot to me. Love it, hate it, bored by it, whatever. Like taking the time to sit with it and share your honest thoughts about it is something that I hold very precious and I appreciate all of you doing it. It means a tremendous amount to me. So I say that from the bottom of my heart. Um, and also, uh, you know, kind of maybe my final statement on the victim, I am not going to pull the punch here. In many, many ways, the fear of God would not exist without the victim. It wouldn't um, because I wrote that movie and then Michael Bean and his team rewrote it and they made it and they, they went off and they did their thing with it. Uh, sweet little side note. I consider it a sweet little side note. I pulled out my Blu-ray copy of it. I remember there was a family member who told me, don't own that. Don't own that. Don't own that. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I, and I'm like, I'm good at, of course, I'm going to own a copy of the book. What are you talking? Of course I am. It took me to really, Vegas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, uh, when I, took it to a signing that they were doing after it had first been released. Michael Bean signed it and it's it, the note is still on there. I don't have it in front of me or I'd hold it up probably be blurry anyway, but the note is still on there. He said, Reed, don't forget you made this happen. And I was like, 
man, that's, that was a kind sentiment. It was something that I really received well that I, you know, that just, that just meant a lot to me. Um, and, uh, and so then because I wrote the victim many years later, like, you know, three or four or five years later, I forget exactly how much I was listening to a little podcast called more than one lesson. And I reached out to a man by the name of Tyler Smith, by the way, it's the end of our year. I'm, I'm going to take the opportunity to say, if you're listening to this and you know, Tyler, or even if you don't prayers for him and his family, for his health struggles that he's going through, still a very critical situation. And we just, we send our prayers and we send our love. Um, but I reached out to Tyler Smith and Tyler Smith emailed me back. He still, he said it then. And he said it many times after that. He said, the reason I emailed you back is not because your email was good, but it was because you were interested in faith and you wrote the victim. And he said, when I saw, <laughs> and he said, when I saw, we can somebody- take multitudes. <laughs> That's exactly, I love it. Uh, he said, when I saw that somebody who's interested in faith conversation wrote the victim, I was very curious. I, I came, the very first podcast that I ever did in my life was on more than one lesson about the victim because Josh and Tyler were gracious enough to invite me on to talk about it. Through that, I became friends with Tyler and, you know, we spent many years just becoming friends. So when I had the courage one day to say, I'm thinking about a show about faith and horror, and he ever so graciously said, I think I would like to help you get that started. So in many ways, and I say this with utmost sincerity, I think I thank whenever I think about how grateful I am for the fear of God, when I'm thankful for all of you, for the people I've met, the people I've known, there is a shadow, a corner in my mind. There's this little pocket of this thing that maybe I don't bring out and parade to everybody, but there is a tip of the hat, a wink, a toast to the victim sitting in the back corner. And, and one of the things that I say out of that, and again, it sounds a bit grandstanding, I mean this to my bone marrow. It does not matter if the work is exceptional. It doesn't matter if it's laudable. It doesn't matter if all of those, because you never freaking know what's going to come out of it. You never know what's going to happen because this and to this and to this and to this. And I think we spend and waste a tremendous amount of time waiting for permission to do creative things or waiting for validation that the creative things have to be good before good things to come out of them. This is about as preachy as I'm going to get in this conversation, but, but sincerely a big part of my faith and, and the way that I believe God operates in the world is to take things that a bunch of other people would write off and say, okay, so maybe not that, but watch what I do with it and watch what else comes out of it. And that means a lot to me. And so uh, I always just like raise a glass toast and, and tip my hat to the victim, which will always and forever be a special thing in the corner of my heart. So hopefully that's You're not here. too... Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully that's not too much grandstanding for you, but also in the spirit of your... The second part of your question, Nathan. Uh, yeah, I, I am still very good friends with Doug Vale, who uh, directed 40. And to be candid, he and I are kind of constantly putting together ideas and trying to figure out how we can make things work. And uh, it's a weird climate right now. And it's a very, you know, and it's, it's weird for me trying to squeeze time in to write and be creative and uh, don't have as much time as I wish I did for that. But yeah, there are a couple of things that Doug and I are talking about that for the sake of, uh, discretion. I won't say too much about, but I will say that he and I have been working on uh, a Western, kind of a Western drama with some thriller elements to it. Um, and I would love it if someday that sees the light of day. Um, but uh, but that's the most recent thing that kind of working on. And I, I made a commitment to myself that I'm going to put it on record here because we're being recorded. I'm going to put it on record right here. Um, I made this decision like back in the summer where I said, and it was again, probably appropriate that we're talking about the victim. 
I said I was going to do more of that where I was like, I don't care if people read it. I don't care if it goes anywhere. I'm just going to do, I want to get back to where I'm just like, just throwing things out there. Oh, this is uh, an idea I'm interested in. Then I just want to throw it out there. And I, I don't do enough of that. I'd like to do a little bit more of that. So that's one of the things that I want to to try to be a little bit more disciplined about and just get back to the idea of the victim where it was just like, oh, I think this is cool. Let me just <laughs> just try to just try to throw it out there and see if maybe something. Well, happens. you know, one, thank you sincerely uh, to you and to all present. But you know, when, when, and if the time comes, uh, uh, that this Western sees the light of day and, you know, casting discussions start happening, I'll, I'll be your Huckleberry. Mm-hmm. So just, <laughs> uh, if you need your number. six no. foot two bearded dude, like I'm, yeah. I'm here for you. Um, I always need Nathan in my life. So I appreciate that. <clears throat> oh, thank you. I, I knew that part. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, man, what a, what a time. And, and I want to, as we embark into this final leg of the journey, uh, in the spirit of odd Lang Syne, this, this episode will be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, read, uh, December 27th. It is our, the last Tuesday of 2022. Um, okay. That's what I thought. Um, and, Wanted to just, woo! Wow, I just got hit. Mm. Uh, <laughs> wanted to celebrate y'all, celebrate this, celebrate us, celebrate uh, the gift that is a life uh, shared. And so, put together a few questions here uh, in in the spirit of what we did a couple years ago with the Invisible Man episode. That was our New Year's Eve. Um, I have a six-sided die here in true nerd fashion um, with, what is the six? The six, I actually did not plan this read. I have a bunch of die right behind me. This is the mm. Star Trek emblem. Nice. Uh, and that's yes. just the one I happened to grab. Um, that sincerely was not planned. So the the six on the die that I'm rolling is uh, uh, the Star Trek emblem. Um, so, uh, I've got six questions here. I'm going to go just kind of clockwise around my screen here. Jess, you went somewhere and now you're in a different spot. So it's, you're a little out of order than you were five minutes ago, but that's okay. Um, hopefully I'll still be here. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on our time, maybe we'll do this twice. Um, because you know, who knows how long these will go. So Vera, you are in the, uh, uh, top leftmost portion of my screen. So you are going to go first. So listeners know what these questions are. You know I'm, I'm just going to reveal them as I roll them. So <laughs> I'm going to roll this die here. And Vera, you got a number four. So Vera, yes. what is your favorite non-horror movie, book, or TV show you enjoyed this year? Non-horror. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a yeah. heck of a movie. It was so good. I saw it in theaters. It was worth seeing in theaters. Rob was mad at me that I saw it in theaters without him. <laughs> but now I think it's on um, Prime. But it was, oh, I loved the experience of that movie so much. Has anyone here not seen that movie yet? Okay. Hmm. There are a couple of gags in this movie that are real <laughs> and hysterical. And I don't want to spoil them here. But earlier, I thought about one when Reed said, a raccoon knocks over a box <laughs> and I thought about everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. And I will leave that there. It's a wonderful movie. <laughs> There's a chance. Uh, it'll, it will surprise me if it's not a best picture candidate. Oh, uh, I would love it if it was. Well, Michelle Yeoh got like person of the year yeah. or something like that. Like it's I mean, just, 
she didn't get person of the multiverse after that movie. Yeah. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. It's a, so how dare they only limit her to one universe? Right. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you for sharing that, Vera. Um, if we all roll fours and twos, this we will definitely do this more than once. Uh, I rolled a two. Um, what is your favorite horror movie, book, or TV show you enjoyed this year? Uh, doesn't have to have been released this year. Um, it's funny. Okay. So <laughs> who are you asking? I'm asking me. This is me. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Clockwise, it's me. Um, uh, so for myself, what I wrote here, which read is actually humorously counter, uh, not exactly the answer that's going to be forthcoming when we resume our conversation. Um, favorite horror movie, book, or TV show. What I wrote down here is Halloween ends because of the experience. Mm. Um, uh, uh, un- unsurprising to active listeners of the show, Reed and I with the quarterly Kings tend to gather once a year. Um, and this was that gathering. So we had already been walking through Halloween, ha- Halloween on the show. Um, the, so I was sort of just swimming in bodies and, uh, knives and <laughs> Shatner masks. Um, so it was just really, uh, and uh, digging into that world. Um, we had the, the fun time of watching both David Gordon green, uh, installments previous to going to see the episode. Um, we went to, um, to see the movie. We went to see the movie. We went and got pizza. I think Reed was ashamed of how boisterous and loud I was. Um, but that's okay. We're still friends. Um, <laughs> I wasn't ashamed. I know. I know. Well, it's okay. If you were. It's okay. We're not going to litigate that here, but, um, <laughs> not ashamed, just, just embarrassed that's, by that's you, just me, bro. That's, that's just me. Um, and, uh, had a great time sort of debriefing that then recorded on it. So for this answer, I'm saying Halloween ends Dave mm-hmm. Courtney, you are next on my screen. Then it's Reed, Asia, Steven, and Jess. Um, next is Dave Courtney. You rolled a six. <laughs> Dave Courtney, this is kind of appropriate for you. You or Beckley would be pretty, pretty astute potential answers of this question. Um, I intentionally am not going to let reader answer this question, but Dave, the number six question uh perfect it couldn't be more perfect it's a star trek symbol uh if you dave courtney could cast the fear of god movie who are you picking to play me and read and be mindful we are right here and can hear you (laughs) well there are wrong answers (laughs) (laughs) to play read i mean it's impossible now not to go with jess (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes like an, an obvious yes. statement <laughs> that, is that is the perfect answer that is amazing this doesn't follow you and you're like oh man it's woman. perfect it's perfect it's talk perfect. about colorblind casting and and what okay you this is half the puzzle there i i know i i i struggled over <laughs> thinking you and it might be because i saw the fablemans but i went with seth rogan <laughs> okay all right that, unexpected I, but i don't think he has the beard in the fablemans but when he has the beard okay i don't know i, I didn't see that, that one coming but, but it kind of works uh jess fishley and seth rogan uh, uh, headlining wow. the fear of God <laughs> film. That is, I'm pleased with my casting. I love it. I think it's perfect. I can't see anybody else doing the role I'm now. That's it. Pleased with Dave participating. Um, okay, <laughs> read you. <laughs> read your next 
on my screen. Okay. Uh, you rolled, uh, you got a number two. Um, Reed, what is your favorite horror movie, book, or TV show you enjoy? The, I really didn't engineer these questions because, so what's really funny, uh, participants right now, Reed and I began recording before we started this, our top 10 for the year. That's going to be the patron segment for the episode that airs before this episode airs. Um, and we did not finish it. And so right now we're revealing to each other some version of our top movies. Reed, would you like me to re-roll or like, do you want to say that? Uh, well, I had an answer for it, but actually, uh, yeah, re-roll. Okay. I'll re-roll and we'll see if the dice are in our favor. Okay. A five. Okay. This is possibly, possibly a same answer here, but number five question was, what do you think Reed will win the foggy for best picture? Yes. Asterisk. This is Nathan podcast host alerting listeners to go vote in the foggies, but Reed, (laughs) what do you think? Based on uh, uh, current buzz and how Vegas right. odds, my 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 Vegas guy, Vegas uh, odds. what's going to be best picture at the Foggies this year? So I'm going to make a prediction, hopefully not an overly influential one, but I think based on its quality, its degree of conversation, uh, and the enthusiasm around it, I think Pearl has a really good shot of being the Foggy best picture. Um, there's a couple of other films that are bubbling under there that I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't just, dis- I wouldn't be disappointed with that one or that one or that one. But when I thought about that question, I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Pearl. I think Pearl has a really good shot of getting the foggy best picture this year, but hopefully that's not influencing audiences. It's just my prediction, but. So you are not throwing it before swine is what you're saying. No. Um, that was clever. Though. A- I like it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Pick? Asia, you are next up on the wheel of foggers that's on my screen here. Um, so Asia, your question is what is it's number three. What is something you're looking forward to? It can be next week. It can be next month. It can be next year. Something you are excited to experience. Uh, for me, it's actually a pretty big one. Um, so my first episode ever with the fog was Rosemary's baby. And y'all can just go ahead and call me Rosemary. Cause in June, I'm going to have a baby. First ever baby announcement on the podcast. Look at that. Incredible. That's awesome. Our first little fogger. That's incredible. Congratulations. Asia. Congratulations. J Mark. That is very exciting. We That's are awesome. thrilled for you. Uh, no fellow foggers. I did not engineer Asia getting that question. Yes, That's I did. Pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> but I got clearance first. Asia, we're thrilled for you. It's it's exciting times and and um so awesome. excited for that on your behalf. Uh so thank you for thank sharing you. that here. That's extremely exciting. Um Beckley, good good luck following that up, buddy. <laughs> 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 okay. Stephen Beckley, you are yep. number one. Um, Thank you. Uh, uh, literally. Hey! <laughs> what was that? I missed that one. Um, You're number Steve, one. You're number what, one. You're number what one. is your favorite new word here? Foggery from the year. <laughs> it's a working title. This can be uh, so something, uh, something related to the fear of God. It can be an especially funny episode, a poignant conversation, a new movie you discovered because of the show or anything you experienced this year because of the fear of God is fair game. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the uh, John Carpenter redo, redux. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think uh, I, my first thoughts go, went to the uh, Prince of Darkness episode. Um, it wasn't my first time seeing the movie. It was my second time seeing the movie, but um, I loved revisiting it. I remember the uh, thematic conversation where you talked about uh, owning your agency. Uh, what will you do with mm. the thing you are fighting to get once you get it? And mm. uh, once it, once it's achieved, what is what is say your your end game? And in in the film, the thing takes the the thing the the force the presence takes mm. people over and, uh, and controls their spirits. And uh, I don't know that. I, I remember that part of the episode, and uh, I thought that was a great discussion. And, I, and that's one of my favorite John Carpenter movies. Awesome, awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. It's funny. I this this would not have been my answer to this question, which is why I'm feeling the freedom to piggyback on yours here. Is I actually thought about our thing conversation about mm-hmm. the thing, uh, just because something about watching that for that conversation really lodged deeply for me, and and that would have made a, a longer list of my foggery for the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Jess Fishley, aka in the forthcoming uh, adaptation of the Fear of God podcast, Reed Lackey. Um, God, that's hysterical. Uh, so okay. awesome. You get number three also, Jess. So if you have any special announcements to make, here's your chance. <laughs> We'd be accompanied with tears at this point. Do what? <laughs> my oldest is turning 20. I mean, okay. Yeah, happens you know. to people, but hey, I'm just a little know. bit more excited uh, about Ted Lasso season three. Okay, yes, I'm yes. gonna say that um, we had revisited seasons one and two with the World Cup, which was just super special. Um, and we had let my son watch it, who's 15, because he enjoys football. So um, <laughs> I am definitely ready for that uh season that's awesome drop, so good answer good answer mm-hmm. awesome Co-sign. we're gonna we're gonna snake draft this back one more time uh and and this time you can choose the question you would like to answer so i'm not gonna roll for Ooh. you the questions <laughs> no. are the Ooh. questions are what's your favorite foggery and start with you jess what's your favorite foggery what's your favorite horror movie book or tv show okay. what's something you're looking forward to what is your favorite non-horror movie what do you think will win foggy best picture and if you could cast uh and just if you answer this question or not, I want to know who you would cast. So everyone's going to answer that one. Except <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So wait, are you talking to me? You talking I am. to me? Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm talking to you. <laughs> okay. Favorite foggery from this year. So I have sent the midnight mass um, mm. round table episode, probably mm. to more people than I've ever sent to different, awesome. you know, of, um, I just feel like, it's it's a select small group, but I feel like that show has stuck with people, mm-hmm. and the way that episode had just a lot of different voices and different people in different spots in church. It just um, I have to say that was probably my favorite episode from this year, and I probably would not have watched Midnight Mass um, without having you guys introduce it for me basically mm. fear of god is my master class on film so <laughs> that is what i use this all for all right well, and then i have to answer yeah. number six okay yeah. so it's kind of unoriginal because you guys have already kind of spoofed this but i'm all about a john goodman and billy crystal <laughs> Whether <laughs> you are Mike Wazowski and Sully or not, either way, I would yeah. take the real that's awesome. that's actors awesome. doing it. So I think that's it awesome. could 
you could do so much with that. Marvelous. Marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Mm. Thank you for that. Beckley, you are up. What question are you answering? Uh, what is your favorite horror movie from this year? Okay. That doesn't necessarily have to have been released this year, and this one wasn't, but um, I saw the movie Tailgate. Has anybody heard of this movie? It's a Dutch mm. horror movie. Um, you can, I think it's still available on Shutter now. Um, yeah, yeah, it's about uh, um, mother, father, and I think it's one child in the family. When they they go to visit uh, uh, the parents of the father, and they're going on a road trip, and and this is is in Europe, in in in, uh, in the Netherlands, and uh, and there's a incident of, of road rage, and and uh, the father antagonizes unintentionally, I suppose. Uh, another driver and then that driver turns around and then terrorizes them the rest of the journey and this this is not a very nice guy he's he has uh some weapons at hand um but and i even heard after they saw the movie that it somehow it may have influenced an american movie if no if everybody saw the movie unhinged with russell crowe Ooh, didn't see Mm -hmm. it but But i don't think he uh i don't think russell crowe or the makers of that movie uh um cop to that or, or acknowledge that they may have been influenced but if you see both movies you can see how that would be um accused on the uh on the unhinged makers um uh, sure. i I, th- I saw both movies and i i, I enjoyed uh tailgate uh more and i think that might even be a, a movie that could be covered on, on the fog someday but maybe it. it's not a very subtle effort there (laughs) (laughs) uh steven thank you for that do you have a uh a casting sure here yeah here's a couple of actors that i think uh that they may or may not seem like they have uh good likenesses to to both of you but i think they're both very good actors and could do the job (laughs) um the one for nathan is uh oliver jackson cohen who was uh oh in in some of the flanagan's you you flatter me yeah (laughs) (laughs) and he was in the invisible man he was the invisible man yes um Mm -hmm. and then uh for reed uh how about uh elijah wood (laughs) thank you sam yeah, they have, they're they're a tall guy and a short guy. So sure, no, we, yeah. we got it. Yep, there's That's that. The there's that old Beckley yeah. subtlety. Yeah, Hobbit. there you go. Um, okay, Asia, what is the question you would like to answer? Uh, I think I want to talk about my favorite horror movie that I watched. Okay, um, which is hard because there were a lot of good ones, but I was enamored with the menu. Mm. I okay. friggin' just devoured you that movie. No pun. I, yeah. I <laughs> ate it up and I I I've been itching to <laughs> feel well enough to go see it again. Go um, back for seconds, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Go back for seconds. <laughs> yes. It was uh when yeah, when you're pregnant and watching movie about food, it can get a little weird sometimes. <laughs> but I I loved that movie so very much and i i cannot wait to see it again and if i would just say if anybody hasn't seen the menu yet it's totally worth your time it's not the scariest movie ever made but as i don't know if you're a pretentious foodie which i like aspire to be it (laughs) mocks you in all of the, the right ways that's awesome yeah and um yeah what's your casting uh yeah yeah um so i have i have Technically, I have three and they're all caveated. Hear me out. Okay. So okay. Nathan 
David Harbor, skinny David Harbor, like post. You don't have to Siberian that way. David Harbor. I think, I think Harper's <laughs> got me beat right now. So yeah. <laughs> so I receive it. David Harbor. Yes. David Harbor. Uh, read young Martin short. Hey. <laughs> I would love to see that movie. And then it, as an uncredited cameo, in prosthetics, Tilda Swinton will take a turn playing each of you. Yes, 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 she will. Oh my God, her new movie, The Eternal Daughter. Yeah. And she's playing the younger and the older version. I'm like, of course she is. Of course she is. Of course yeah. she is. <laughs> yes. She's probably playing the stairwell. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. She directed it too. <laughs> she can do anything. Um, awesome. That's great. Awesome. I love Thank that. Thank you for that. Uh, Reed, what question would you like to answer? So, um, I'd like to mention something non-horror. Um, so, so if I'm being objective about it, my favorite piece of non-horror material that I absorbed this year was Top Gun Maverick. I think Top Gun Maverick is just an oh, exceptional yeah. piece of cinema. It's wonderful. Uh, but so much has been said about that already. And that's kind of like, a, yeah, of course it is. I want to show a little bit of appreciation for a very intimate, very quiet, very gentle, very lovely film called A Love Song. It came out. It's got uh, Dale Dickey and Wes Studi. This is a very intimate film, achingly beautiful, short. It's like 80 minutes long. And the entire premise of the film is Dale Dickey plays an older woman who is at a campsite, a remote campsite. And the reason she's there is because she has written to someone she has not seen since high school, or at least decades earlier, past high school. But she's basically, she's written to them saying, come meet me. They're both uh, widowed. Um, and she's saying, come meet me, but she doesn't know if he's coming or not. And so she's waiting at the campsite for him, uh, because West studio is in the cast and it's in the trailers. Yes. He eventually does arrive. That's about as much as I want to say about it. This film is beautiful. I, I soaked up every minute of this movie. Um, it is a lovely, lovely, lovely film. If you are in the mood to see something, just a beautiful, it's rated PG. It is tender. It is gentle. It has a tremendous amount of poignant things to say, powerfully affecting things to say, but it says them in such a gentle and subversive way. I love, love, love this movie. So, so I would encourage anybody who feels like what I just described is your cup of tea, seek out and prioritize a little film called A Love Song starring Dale Dickey and Wes Studi. Um, it may, and when I make my full list, Top Gun is the big spectacle. That's like the big, bombastic, excellent piece of cinema kind of thing. But man, my heart is tugging for a love song. I thought a, lo a love song just bowled me over. I, I adored every single frame of that movie and I loved it. And I want everybody to see it and talk about it. So a love song is what I would like to give some attention to. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Dave, what uh, question would you like to answer? Um, well, why don't I go with what I'm anticipating? I don't. Okay. Uh, um, so what's it the book i'm now i'm totally blanking on the name the cabin at the end of the lane is that what it's called the one that m knight's doing mm. yeah uh at the end of the yeah, world right? right no 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 that's the paul tremblay novel i forget what i think it's cabin in the yeah i forget it's the cabin something cabin at the lake or something but i can't remember the full title um so i read the book because i was uh i'm always a big <laughs> I always get excited no matter what, when M night does something new. Me too. And so I read the book and I just got so intrigued because I'm like, I'm really interested to see what he does with this story. Um, 
and uh yeah so that that's definitely along with um uh i'm really looking forward to scorsese's killer killer flowers um sorry <laughs> killer flowers of the moon is that what oh, it's called mm-hmm. flowers uh, of the killer moon or something flowers of the killer moon yeah um Sorry, I'm just blanking on these names. That's uh, all right. But yeah, the the new M Night one is the one that I'm I'm really intrigued by, just because uh, he always does interesting things with the story. And if you've read the book, um, it does hit on a lot of his sensibilities. And mm. uh, so I will be very yeah very interested to see what he does. It's called that. Knock at the Cabin. That's ah, what it's called. Okay. There we go. That's the M Night movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, maybe it's fine, finally time to resuscitate that that follow up series. Read the mm-hmm. oh, it's an adaptation or... of the novel. Yeah. Understand yeah. now. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Dave. Um, if this is this is what you can do when you're the host. If I were choosing the non horror movie recommendation and I weren't picking Top Gun, I would pick uh, uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. It's beautiful. I love it. I cried. I laughed hysterically. It's gorgeous. Wonderful I wish watch it, but that's not what I'm going to pick. Um, uh, I'm going to pick my favorite froggery and something that has happened for me in the course of this six years that I I've, I've come to thoroughly enjoy and enmesh myself in and, and, and traffic in and wade in the horror genre as a concept, as a storytelling structure. But this notion of what scares us to find what saves us has become a, uh, a, a trailblazing energy for me. And, and in many ways, uh, the, the, the moment can't get past us as we end this year. When I thank uh, my brother Reed for even just letting me do the thing I did this year, which was have David Gushy on and how, and, and, and twice fold because in most ways that's an odd fit. Uh, but um, probably at my own peril, sometimes I like to step as far out on the thinnest limb as I can and say, I think God is here. Um, and for me, those were to your point, read about art and artistry. Those were for me. Those mm-hmm. were for me. I needed that mm-hmm. water in that desert mm-hmm. and, and to be able to, uh, engage this person I have deep admiration and respect for to be able to say, I think God is here was deeply fruitful, meaningful ministering to me. Um, and so if I'm going to assess this year, uh, those were pivotal and, and momental, uh, momental, uh, momentous, um, monumental, I think is what I was mixing my words there. No, um, I like the words you picked. New yeah, word. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, 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 I express gratitude to you, Reed. I express gratitude to our listeners who give the grace for those things that are not, wait a minute. This is, this is the, the, the naysayers in my head, the, well, it's in my movie, you know, Reed can attest to this. We, <laughs> y'all will love this. Our hosting site dramatically rejiggered how on earth they metricize our, uh, there's another new word for you, our <laughs> listenership, whatever it happened. Literally. When the first David Gushy episode aired, I got super insecure. I was like, oh my God, uh, everyone hates me now and hates us. I'm sorry, Reed. You know, this is, <laughs> our numbers are a lot lower, but it's just they'd done some stupid thing to the algorithm, metric, technology, blah, blah, blah. But 
uh, uh, there was a lot of self-consciousness and in going into those, a lot of uh, insecurity going into those. I just knew for me, there was value there. And Reed, to your point, if this is interesting to me, if I find life here, someone else will as well. Yes. So Amen. I right. thank my my brother and co-host for that permission. I thank listeners uh, for in the indulgence and hopefully some element of ministering was able to happen for others insofar as it was for me as well. Um. That's me. Vera, you are going to finish us off, sister. Um, you can pick a question you want, and then you're going to cast the movie, and then Reed is going to take us into 2023. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm i going to also answer Foggery. I was going to say David Gushy, but I didn't because I knew that you would probably say David Gushy if mm. you answered the question, and I wanted mm. to be different. So I put down 2020 one more time. That um, series mm. from way back at the beginning of last year, I yeah. really enjoyed our terrible discussion, uh, not terrible discussion, discussion on the terrible movie. Sorry, Dave Courtney, I know you really liked it, The Night House. And, <laughs> <laughs> but the whole um, set of movies in that series were mm. movies, they were really solid, like St. Maud, mm. Werewolves Within, Last Night in Soho. Um, yeah. I just really, yeah. really enjoyed that. And then um, my answers for this question aren't as good as everyone else. Um, but for who I would cast in the Fear of God movie, for Reed, I said Jim Rash. And for Nathan, I said, I'm not sure how to pronounce his na- last name, Timothy Omidson. Do you know who that is? Mm. Not off the top of my head. But, but only when he has a beard. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> oh, what fun it is to ride. You remember the uh, movie in that uh, 2021 more time? was a Reed Lackey movie. It was. Uh, Shadow. Yeah. It was. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. It all yeah. Comes great episode too. Yeah. Yeah. Can it I sure be was. Inc- sure. Can no? I be incredibly no, rude? Yeah. Uh-huh. Please. I, I wanna, please. I just, <laughs> it's probably okay, I not be, rude. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. I want to can I throw in a foggery there? Because I might I should have said yeah. this because this is yeah. truly what gave me so much joy. Um, I don't have words to describe to you how much joy me and one of my coworkers that I kind of told you guys about got listening to the, your My Amityville Horror <laughs> and Nathan's Do You Believe in God in This Room? <laughs> <laughs> she and I are in an office weeping because we are laughing so hard. You, you just can't just, go wrong with Cher. You just can't go oh wrong. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I've, yeah, I've and she, is, I showed it to her. She has shown that episode to other coworkers who would never have heard hysterical. of the fog just because of that episode. Amazing. That's so <laughs> awesome. That just kind of cleanup time. And then Reed's truly going to uh, the, <laughs> to that point, like my wife will make fun of me. Cause if I've got my AirPods in and I start just chuckling, she's like, you're laughing at you, aren't you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but you don't hear it and you don't hear the context. This is really funny. I'm I'll funny. Get it. Yes. Uh, but oh my God. Don't our, you understand? I mean, it's recency bias, but our white God patron segment with <laughs> the old lady who swallowed all the things. Oh my God. That was so funny. Yeah. That whole episode, the puns were oh, top yeah. notch. Oh man. Yes. It just really, dog, it just really gets you. you they were. It just really gets your heartworms, you know, like that's, that's, <laughs> that's the best. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think all the all the laughter this year I have really appreciated and I got to show a little bit of love as well to to my beautiful wife like I've really appreciated the the in the subtle sort of ramp up of how 
whenever something gets scary, not only do you join poop club, but you turn on worship music now. Like, you you know, like, you know, like, okay, so we're really just going to like, we're go for it now. Now we're just going to, you know, and my, my lovely wife will just like sometimes break out in these very classic songs, you know, like, oh, then sings my soul. It's really like, so it's, it's one of those things that is just, okay, yes, this is, this is what's needed in this moment. I still think of it when I'm watching a super scary movie. I'd be like, okay, in my head, I'm like, okay, all right, we're going to turn this up. And that's uh, all rooted in it, my enemy. Give the hymnal out. It's awesome. Um, thank you all very much. Nathan knows, maybe he didn't share with you um, how, uh, so I'm going to say this and, and, I'm, and I mean it. Um, Nathan shared me, I resisted and fought and pulled teeth and, and, and Nathan doesn't have to share all of the, the intricacies of our text message and all of my qualifiers when he said he wanted to cover the victim for episode 300. Boy, uh, I, to say I was emotionally dragged kicking and streaming is an <laughs> understatement. It is a profound understatement. And one of the things that he and I did share is a, you know, and I was, I was even talking with my wife a little bit about this, but like a, I trusted him because I've known him for two plus decades. So like, okay, I trust you. But, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, I trust all of you. And I thank you very much. You've been good friends to me. And, and I appreciate you've been good friends in this conversation. You've been good friends to me when we've, you know, just connected over Fog Community. And you're all really, really special to me. So as we wind down another year, I can't believe it's 300 episodes. And uh, maybe someday we will reach here. But until we do, uh, I can't invoke Avengers Endgame with I love you 3,000. So I love you 300. We'll get to the you know, 3,000. But I love, but I love you. I love you 300. Um, and, uh, and just thank you all so much for all the joy that you continue to bring into my life. Uh, really feels like my community, my friends, my like-minded people. I don't feel alone in the world because I know there are people like you out and about in there. And hopefully uh, we provide some little measure of the same for all of you and for all of our listeners, because it's not just us in this conversation, it's other people listening as well. <clears throat> so we really hope that that's the case. Looking very forward to 2023, the only series that we know we're going to do is, of course, up top of the year. We are going to be doing our run-through. Um, and Nathan probably promoted this at the very beginning. Of course, I wasn't here yet. Um, but in case he didn't, or even if he did, uh, please, please, please visit the social media platforms and vote on your favorite films of the year, what you specifically want us to cover for our 2022 part two or 2022.2, whatever we're doing. Um, because in uh, when we come back for regularly scheduled episodes, we'll be doing that in 2023. But I'm super excited and I'm very, very grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed sometimes thinking about it, I have friends in the world that I've never even been in the same room with, but but people that I'm grateful are in my life. So just thank you all very, very much for everything that you that you are and do for all of us. Um, and as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And so uh, thank you to all of our listeners in that spirit. We encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Thank you, Vera, Asia, Steve, Dave, Jess. Thank you so, so much, Nathan. I love you all from the bottom of my heart, and I greatly appreciate you very much. Everybody, we will see you next year. Have a wonderful, wonderful, happy new year. Happy Bye, new year. Happy new year. all the queens. Cue the music. Boy, <laughs> everybody now. Ooh, okay, all right. Cut the mic, please. As he lives. All right. All right. 
The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash the fear of God podcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of tracermatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. This is my list of... Oh, I don't know if you can read them. No, guys, but all the blowies. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. These are the notes I make myself. (laughs) Incredible. Um... I thought she was gonna shoot him there. <laughs> oh yeah, one of you said the Dave. Dave, you said the crowbar. Mine, mine says the hot crowbar on the jumblies. Yeah, uh, that's rough. The hot crowbar on the beans. <laughs> yeah, I just. Baked oh beans. man, that scene. That scene is... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. (laughs) Holy sorry. That was hysterical. Reed, welcome. Hi everybody.